for half a century, WJPZ Syracuse has been the greatest media classroom on the planet. We've trained students from the 1970s to the 2020s on how to run a professional radio station. But the lessons learned and relationships formed go far beyond studios and transmitters. Taking a look back through the eyes of those who experienced it. This is WJPZ at 50. Welcome to WJPZ at 50. I am John Jagge. Today's guest is a name that I've been hearing for quite some time, but I've only gotten to know better in the last several months since our banquet, since... We coordinated some Hall of Fame induction stuff for Happy slash Father Dave Dwyer. But I'm excited to learn about her time at Syracuse and her amazing career in the time in between Syracuse and Sirius. I managed to not get tongue-tied when I said that. Crystal Lepard from the class of 2012, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jack. Thank you. <laughs> so you're a Cleveland native, correct? Yes. So I'm a Cleveland native. I grew up here. And then I went to Syracuse because I... Like everyone else, I wanted to be on air. I wanted to be a sideline reporter in sports. We were always diehard Cleveland sports fans. And then went a bunch of different places, which I'm sure we'll get into, and then ended up back here in Cleveland, which I'm really excited about. (laughs) There's always something about being back in your hometown. And we have a number of Cleveland alumni in the podcast from Dana Wolkoff to TJ Basala to Mm -hmm. so many others. And Cleveland is such a great sports town with great sports fans. And we're going to cover a lot of sports today. So I'm going to put one more tote uh, on the board here for a person who wanted to get into sports, and that's why they went to Syracuse. Hey. <laughs> Tell me about getting to Syracuse and then fighting WJPZ. So, I mean, as I've heard from a lot of the stories, that it took me a little while to get to WJPZ. I remember going to an interest meeting my freshman year and wanting to do sports, but because it was so, and it's natural that it is this way because it is radio, that it is very much play-by-play. And I knew I didn't really want to do play-by-play. So I focused more on Citrus TV. And it wasn't until my junior year that because Citrus TV and ZD9 are in the same building, there's a lot of overlap. And one of my close friends, Alex Brewer, who was general manager of ZD9 at the time, you know, we were good friends and we were talking about just kind of normal ZJ shifts and Z morning zoos. And we were talking about it. And I said, you know, that actually like that sounds great just for fun, just to develop being on air and being around my friends. You know, what's kind of the protocol? How can I get started. And so that was how I got involved. And then we did a Z Morning Zoo together, him, myself, and Craig Hoffman. Okay. Um, And so the three of us woke up and it was always fun of like who wouldn't show up because they overslept or whatever of getting the three of us in an actual room was always funny. But that was how I got involved. And it's a testament, of course, to the robust alumni that I've made so many friends and so many connections after the fact. TJ Basala is a great example that we connected because we were both involved in ZD9 at different, totally different years. Yeah. And we both had a Cleveland connection. And like, that was all it took to then start a friendship that is one of my most valued from Syracuse to this day. So Even though you were not in school at the same time, no. which is the amazing <laughs> thing about the Alumni Association. So were you one of those, Krista, where you walked into Z89 and just the the energy and the camaraderie and just the feeling there, having, you know, started mainly on the TV side, but come over and, and just gotten the je ne sais quoi, I guess, of Z89? <laughs> the vibes, as, the, as yes. the kids say now, the vibes. And yeah, definitely, definitely. Again, it was because we all kind of 
I feel like when we're in school, put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Like, I want to do, I want to be in sports and I got to do all the things to make sure I'm doing the right stuff. And Z89 was kind of like that breath of fresh air of why I enjoyed, you know, my work. And I wasn't so like stressed about, oh, did I ask the right question in that presser or whatever at that softball game I was covering for Z89 or whatever. Honestly, I really didn't think I was going to end up in radio. And now I'm a radio producer. So here we are. Who knew? (laughs) A lot of stuff, as I said, we'll get to. So what was the extent of your involvement at Z89? You talked about the morning show. Did you do sports Mm -hmm. at Z as well? I didn't, which is funny. Okay. But again, that was kind of on purpose. It was on purpose because I didn't want to do play-by-play. And I had other avenues between Citrus TV that I felt like this was a different opportunity, a different way to develop skill set on air and talking live and running your own board and things that now I use all the time for our Sirius XM show that's live that I run out of my basement here, that I have the board, everything's in front of me. And so in addition to like being the producer and talking to Father Dave sometimes on air and I'm like sending us to break, adjusting the levels, bringing on guests, doing all that technical stuff that I got from Z89. So I had I did the zoo and then I had a shift later in the day that was just me that was great for. And it was kind of funny because by the time I started working more with Z89, I actually kind of knew I wasn't necessarily going to go on air, Mm -hmm. that I wanted to stay behind the scenes. But again, Z89 was something that it was fun. It was fun for me. And it ended up serving me in way more ways than I ever expected. It's funny. You talk about world's greatest media classroom. We've talked about it on the podcast. You're learning things that at the time you may not realize are lessons at the time that are going to take care of you later on down the road. Definitely. Definitely. So let's go after Syracuse, Chris. Uh, You've worked in a ton of different places. You really did kind of follow the sports dream and do a lot of stuff. So let's go through your journey after Syracuse. So I can really start with the internships while I was in Syracuse. So I, because they all kind of come back around, which is wild. So I interned two summers at SiriusXM, one of those for Father Dave Dwyer, Happy Dave Dwyer, because I enjoyed the shows on SiriusXM's Catholic channel, I was just a listener. And I said, hey, okay. I wonder if they need an intern. And so I just emailed them and said, hey, do you want an intern? And they said, yeah, sure. Come you never to know you ask, right? <laughs> exactly. So I did that for two summers. I didn't really think that much of it other than I got to be in New York City. I got to experience it. It was an amazing experience. Um, then I interned through Syracuse with NBC for the Olympics. And so that sports um, aspect of things. Was uh, that London 2012? Or was it that... was London 2012. But they split the interns. So I was based out of New York City. I was at 30 Rock. We were in SNL's Studio 8H. They cleared it all out for the summer and like put in workstations. And I was like cutting highlights on the set where they like do skits and stuff. It was very strange. It was really cool. really wild. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, so then after graduation, one of my... Friends from Syracuse, I think we've discussed her a couple times, uh, Bettina Shore. So Bettina Shore and Doug Whitehorn, they were at Syracuse at my time, involved in the student media. They went on to work at ESPN. And there were people before them that worked at ESPN. There's a wonderful Syracuse ESPN pipeline. So I kind of jumped right on there. And I was a production assistant and content associate, which is just there fancy name for doing a little bit more work, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) at ESPN. So I was there for five years and I worked on SportsCenter and Baseball Tonight and I got to travel for some things. 
I mean, they paid me to watch sports at the highest yeah. level, and it was incredible. The whole time during all of this, my husband also went to Syracuse. His name is Clay Lapard. He's a news reporter. So we were kind of doing the long distance thing through all of this. Mm -hmm. And he got a job opportunity in Orlando, Florida. And so I was like, okay, well, because we were trying to get him to Connecticut at the time. He was in Scranton, Pennsylvania. We actually got married while having a long distance. Like we had a long distance marriage wow. for like seven months. Okay. So <laughs> that was... Not something I expected, but just the ways like the contracts worked out. And it was like, I wasn't going to move to Scranton and he wasn't finding anything in Connecticut. And so then he got an opportunity in Orlando and Golf Channel is based out of Orlando and I love golf. And so it was kind of like, OK, we're going to make this decision, you know, not necessarily like it should work with my career, but we're going to take a little leap of faith that this works best for your career right now. To It was for the CBS affiliate for him. We're going to go down there. I'm going to figure out how to get a job at Golf Channel, which then I did. And so I was an associate producer there for like three years. And so that coincided with then the beginning of 2020. So it was like January uh, 20. Yes. <laughs> so January of 2020, we kind of looked at each other. My husband Clay's contract was up that year. And we were kind of assessing, you know, are we going to stay in Florida? What do we want to do? And we said, you know, what? I think we could stay. Like, I have a good thing going at Golf Channel. You have a good thing going here. Like, you know, we could do this. We could stay for, an, you know, another contract. Like the next month, not even the pandemic, that Golf Channel comes in and says, hey, we're moving our headquarters up to Connecticut this year where NBC Sports is located. Oh, OK. We don't really know what that means for you yet. It ended up meaning that, like, we all kind of got laid off. And if we wanted to reapply for our jobs in Connecticut, we could. But like, oh. We decided we didn't want to make that move. We had already been in Connecticut. Yeah, so you've spent that time at ESPN, yeah. Right. So that was like February like 28th. Oh, jeez. And then, of course, you know, what happens next? The banquet. That's what happened next. The banquet. I was at that banquet, which was very Was funny. that the banquet we were all singing karaoke? Was that 2020 or was yes. that 2019? That was the banquet we were all singing 2020 and sharing wings together in a shared space at the beginning of the pandemic. Hindsight being 2020, no pun intended. Yeah. Maybe not the best situation. I want to come back to the long distance thing for a second, because my wife and I were long distance. When we were dating and I quit my job and moved it back to Michigan to move in with her. And then we got engaged and then we got married. You were married long distance. And that's a common thing, I think, in this industry. But I think my opinion on long distance relationships is... In most cases, it only works if there's a light at the end of the tunnel. If there's like a plan to like somehow we're going to be in the same city, same place, same time. Because if it's long distance indefinitely, I feel like that's just so much harder. You've got to have like that goal at the end of like, OK, we're going to make this work and actually like live under the same roof. Right. And so we had that goal. That was always the plan. And then so this was in 2016 that we got married and 2016 was actually a crazy year. I went to Cuba for ESPN. So like I went to Cuba, the Cavs won the NBA finals. We got married and then we were going to live in the same place. And then it didn't happen because his contract was up like probably a month before our wedding. So we figured, OK, either we'll be able to negotiate and hey, all right, my next start date will be after our wedding and then we'll figure out where we're going to go or what's going on. Or he will be between jobs, which we have navigated many, many a job hunt together. Yep. So, okay, that'll either be the case. Either we will know where he's going or he will be unemployed and be, you know, 
staying at his parents in Massachusetts slash, you know, coming between there and Connecticut where I was. And something different happened, which was they let him stay on month to month. They didn't make okay. him sign a new contract, which is like a big thing when you're a news reporter because it's a unicorn deal. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it was a lot easier. It's a lot easier to get your next job while you're still working. And they were yep. just kind of letting him hang out month to month. And it was a, such a strange situation because it didn't make sense for me to pack everything up and leave and go to Scranton when we knew it was a wonderful station. He worked at WNEP. It was a wonderful, wonderful place. We just knew that wasn't where our future was going to be. Sure. So it didn't make sense for me to up and leave ESPN when we didn't know where we were going to go. And it didn't make sense for him to leave this month-to-month deal in Scranton and come move in with me, you know, unemployed for more or less than a reason. So we just duck it out. We got married in Cleveland and then went back to our respective homes. I was mad. I remember just being really mad for the first like seven months because logically I knew we were doing the best logical thing, but it also just does not make any sense with living long distance and being married. Yeah, like your heart is somewhere else. Yeah. So right. is it easier when you're both in the business that you understand it better, do you think, and how this all works as opposed to one person being in the business and the other spouse is not? I definitely think so. I know there's differing opinions and situations on that, but we can understand each other's schedules and issues way better, I think, than if I weren't in the business or vice versa, because there's a shoot suddenly, you know, at night that he has to be at or, hey, I have to pre-tape an interview. I need someone to watch our daughter, you know, like that sort of thing. So from the start, we've had a great understanding of each other's needs and like how to be the best partner for that, because it takes a lot of understanding to have, you know, these weird nights, weekends, holidays that you're not going to be able to make all the things that you would normally make if you worked a nine to five job. So not to pry into your marriage, but I feel like you've probably talked about your marriage on the air a bunch at this point. So (laughs) (laughs) and you guys met at Syracuse. We did. We did. So we actually met our freshman year, but we didn't start dating until senior year, right before he graduated early. So we were friends (laughs) all through school. I actually dated like someone else at Syracuse. It's just how it goes. And I think we both needed to like, you know, Go grow through college, do all of that. And then we found each other. Yeah, I grew up a little. I mean, he graduated early. So he graduated like the winter of 2011. And we started dating like November. (laughs) Like it was ridiculous. We started dating. We're like, this is a silly idea, but we want to do this. This is what we're doing. And I think once you kind of make that decision, I'm like, this is what we're doing. And we're going to figure it out. You know, that was our viewpoint on it. And his first job was on the border of Illinois and Iowa in the Quad Cities. Okay. Rock Island, Illinois, and then Scranton, and then Florida. And that time I was in Connecticut, and then Florida, and then he got a job opportunity back in Cleveland in 2020. This was when I was pregnant, and everything else was going on that we talked about with the layoffs and everything else that it made all the sense in the world. My family's all still here. So, and I always wanted to come back home. I really did. Yeah. So... It was quite something that we actually made it happen. <laughs> but he's from Massachusetts originally? He's from Massachusetts, yes. But he knew okay. he knew what he was signing up for when <laughs> when we got together. 
<laughs> As a fellow Massachusetts native, I love living in the Midwest. My wife grew up in New Hampshire and we just like the vibe of the Midwest, you know, with no offense to our East Coast friends. Just the Midwest is just much more our speed. People Ooh. are just friendly and nice and warm and all that. So it's WJPZ at 50. Hey, it's Jag. You're probably listening to this episode of the podcast because you know the person I'm interviewing. But one of the true joys of this project has been learning the stories of everyone in the WJPZ family. When you're done with this podcast, I'd encourage you to check out an episode with someone you don't know. You never know what you might have in common with your other WJPZ relatives. Looking back at half a century of broadcast excellence. This is WJPZ at 50. All right. So 2020, he gets the job at Cleveland and you're like, woohoo, let's go back to the 216. Yes. So at this point, there have been multiple times where one of us takes on the job hunt role while the other one has the job intact. So, sure, you know, with being on air and being a reporter, it's just a little bit harder to find those roles and to find the right situation. So he gets the job in Cleveland. I'm beside myself and I'm like, I'll figure it out. I don't really know what I'm going to figure out, but I'm going to figure it out. And it made it harder because I was pregnant. And so I wasn't sure what exactly, how much I wanted to be working. So what ended up happening I had a connection from my time at ESPN where I ended up working for the RSN, the Regional Sports Network, which is Bally Sports in Cleveland. So basically, I knew the communications director with the Indians, now Guardians, and he opened the right doors. Then I could take on some freelance work. Worth noting, we're recording this on April 25th. So as of right now, these RSNs haven't all filed for bankruptcy. But by the time this airs, that is a possibility. Definitely. We can get into that. But yeah. <laughs> So I'm working for Valley Sports in Cleveland. I you know, am balancing this fine line of how many games do I want to be working? How many games am I being offered? At this point, I'm like eight months pregnant in a production truck. What are you doing in that role, Krista? In that role, um, I was an associate director. I still am. Okay. So associate director for... Uh, local sports broadcasts basically means that you are keeping track of going to commercial break and coming out and communicating with their master control and keeping track of all of the different paid sales elements that are in a broadcast so that everyone gets what they paid for. It's a kind of procedural, like it's not very content role, but it's very important and it's fun because you just are very much watching the games. Going back to I still get paid to watch sports. And I'm in the production truck in the thick of it. And that's what I always loved the most about just being in that live event atmosphere and getting to do it now at home was really neat for me and is still. So I was doing that and they were wonderful. They're like, look, just tell us, when are you due? (laughs) I was due at the end of uh, June in 2021. So I stopped working, I think, when I went into my ninth month, we decided like, all right, well, you know, we'll take a pause. And they said, just let us know when you want to come back. Just let us know when you oh, wow. want to come back into the rotation and we'll put you back on. And that is what happened. Out in Orlando from Golf Channel in early 2020. And then it was 21 that you were pregnant and got moved back to Cleveland. So beginning of 2020, they tell us that Golf Channel is going to move. It took them until I wasn't formally laid off until December 31st, 2020. So we had the whole year. Because oh, everything was... So crazy in 2020. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yes. They did a couple different waves, I think, but I ended up staying until like the last day, like closing things down. So, so then we moved back to Ohio. By this point, my husband Clay knew that he had 
the job in Cleveland and he started, I think, at the end of February or the end of January. Okay. So it all kind of flowed into each other. I started working for Bally probably March or April. So it wasn't too much of a downtime, but we were also like house hunting and it was crazy. It was a crazy time. So you're working all these games up until the end of your pregnancy. You have right. your daughter and then you go on maternity leave, I assume. And then yep. what happens after that? So pick up more games, came back in the fall. We're kind of still going along, balancing things. And then this was probably March or April of last year, of, mm-hmm. of 2021. My 22? F- sorry, 22. <laughs> I don't know what the year it is. <laughs> so yeah, my- no, they all blur together. Yeah. <laughs> what year is it? One of my friends says, hey, did you hear that Father Dave and the Busted Halo show on Sirius XM, which I interned for, did you hear that they need a producer? And it's entirely mm. remote. And I said, oh, that's really interesting because the show airs weeknights from 6 to 8 p.m. So my husband, Clay, he kind of gets home. I mean, he has some weird hours, but it's not as bad now. He's a special projects reporter in Cleveland. So it's like he has a little more flexibility than he would if he was like general assignment day to day. And so my parents are here. So they already were helping out a lot with our daughter. And it's entirely remote. So I could, in theory, do it from my house in my basement. And so that's what ended up happening. I reached out to all these, you know, to Father Dave and to people I used to intern with. The program director was a producer when I interned there. So he kind of climbed the ranks and was now in charge. So he remembered me. And it was such like a kismet fate kind of thing of like, this makes sense for everyone. This makes sense for them because they were a little worried. This is the first remote producer they were hiring. So the fact that they knew me already and had had experience working with me and vice versa, and that I had all the experience from ESPN and Golf Channel and, you know, that I knew them, plus having the flexibility to work from home so that I could be more present for my daughter since as much as I love the ballet work, it is a lot of time out of the house. Sure, yeah. So, yeah, so it all just kind of came together, uh, and I never expected that. And that was, honestly, as terrible as the pandemic was in many ways, that wouldn't have happened without it because I don't think they would have gone remote. Right. You know, and Dave Gorab talked about that in his episode, the technology and all the stuff that's now done remotely for all these different shows and all these different channels on Sirius. And it goes back to JPZ and networking and you know, making all those connections. And they drilled that into our heads at Syracuse that you had done a good job in your role as an intern there. And you had the resume at that point. You could that it wasn't sure an easy decision for them to. So, yeah, let's bring Krista on. She's kind of the perfect fit for this job. Right. So it's been almost a year now that we've been kind of so then I still freelance on the weekends for Bally Sports because then they encouraged that from the start. They're like, you know, you love sports, you know, keep freelancing, keep doing, you know, what you're doing. Obviously, I prioritize my serious XM work and I but I'm able to do that because the way that freelancing is, is that you can turn down dates. So and I don't really need it. I just love it. What kind of stuff are you doing for Bally at this point? So same thing. So I'm an associate director on, I would say, two to four games a month for either baseball or basketball. So either for the Guardians or the Cavs. And I actually ended up last year, I worked even while I was still at SiriusXM, doing some playoff games for MLB Network because you're kind of crude in an interesting way when you're freelance that it's like a separate company that cruise you. So I crewed for Bally Sports, but sometimes if it's like a national game, they'll ask us if we can 
work a national game because they need the people and we're the ones that are here in the local areas that know what to do. So So I mentioned this a moment ago, Krista, there's a lot going on with baseball and these regional sports networks that carry the games and some of the parent companies are in financial trouble. And I thought it's a headline every week. Can you give me the casual sports fans explanation as to what the heck is going on again as we sit here on April 25th? So as we sit here on April 25th and again, the good thing is I'm not in charge of any of these things. I'm a contracted worker as freelance, so I'm not speaking on behalf of any company or anything. But as just Mm -hmm. a casual fan, if you are watching a local sports game in your town, it is owned by one of a couple different companies. One of those companies is Valley Sports. They basically got into a position where like sports rights right now are really expensive. And the long and short of it is now that they can't pay for it. So what happens next is still really to be determined because every team, there's not a blanket answer because every team has somewhat of a different contractor relationship where some of them have more ownership of the station than others. All I know from a worker's perspective is that the producers and directors and technical directors, the ones that are doing the work now technically under the Bally Sports umbrella, at least in Cleveland, they also were still working the games when it was Fox Sports Ohio, which is what it was before. And before that, it was like Sports Time Ohio. So these particular workers, it's just kind of who's writing the check. And that's kind of what ends up happening. They don't tend to like clean house and bring in a whole new group of people. It is interesting that the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred, said that like basically there will be no interruption of service, that Major League Baseball will take over and step in if needed. But I don't really know if we know what that looks like yet. I don't think Major League Baseball necessarily wants to come in and like staff it with all people that aren't from the areas. I don't think that they necessarily have an interest in doing that, but I don't know. So it is interesting. I'm not necessarily worried about it, but it's like, it is a very interesting time, especially because it really wasn't that long ago that Bally Sports acquired these networks. These Fox Regional. Yeah, these yeah. Fox Regional networks. So, And if you're Rob Manfred and you're sitting there like, you know, we finally have, at least in my opinion, you might disagree, but improved the game and made it move along a lot faster this year with the pitch clock and all these rules. And we're hopefully putting butts back in seats and eyeballs back on TVs. And then to have this looming over him, I'm sure he would like to put this issue to bed as efficiently as possible. Right. It's going to be an interesting year of kind of what happens next and how much does whoever steps in have to pay or what. When I was at ESPN and you just see the, the numbers of how much you have to pay for sports rights just keep climbing and climbing sure. and climbing. And in my light opinion, you know, slightly educated opinion that it can't keep going like this. So is there going to be a bubble? Is it going to burst? What does that mean? Because part of the reason that companies like ESPN and so on, you know, struggle is because they aren't getting the cable revenue that they were once getting with people cutting the cord. So it's going to be an interesting time. All I know is that people will be watching the games and hopefully I will be working them. (laughs) Last sports question. Do you like the changes in baseball? I do. It's weird. It's a little weird. I I don't know if we slightly overcorrected in terms of speed, but I mean, if you don't evolve, you die. So I appreciate the efforts. It was funny, like the first couple games that I've watched that you're used to a certain like languid pace. pace. 
And then like, you look up and you're yeah. like, oh, we're already in the we're in the commercial break. The half inning's over. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Matt Friedman and I went to a Tigers Red Sox uh, game here early yeah. in the season and I'm like, oh, it's okay. Like, uh, it's two and a half hours. Fun game, but that was it. That's okay, it. done. Uh, All right, let's come back to uh, Father Dave mm-hmm. and Busted Halo on the Catholic Channel. Tell me if I've never listened to the show, mm-hmm. what the show is. Because I feel, and Dave and I got into this a little bit right. in his episode of the podcast, but I feel like there's some stereotypes or misnomers, people that haven't heard the show or aren't familiar with the channel or the show might think, oh, it's all about you know, Catholicism or religion or whatever. Let's put those rumors to bed. So it is on the Catholic channel, and Father Dave is a Catholic priest. He's a Paulist father, which is a religious order that focuses, their like main focus is media. So they have mm-hmm. this umbrella called Busted Halo Ministries. And part of that is the Busted Halo show with Father Dave Dwyer. And so the show's on every night. And basically, it's an intersection of faith, of pop culture, of questions of faith about Catholicism or otherwise. Sometimes it could be as silly as just what's going on in our lives. Sometimes we like look for faith connections and Father Dave will remind us, like, I'm the faith connection. I'm the priest. So... There's always going to be a faith connection. <laughs> it doesn't have to be. <laughs> yeah, okay. We don't have to, you know, make too many reaches. But like, yeah, sometimes it's silly of, oh, he's, you know, going to Washington, D.C. and was in the quiet car that wasn't quiet at all. And, you know, sometimes it's just life situations. And sometimes it's, you know, people calling us with some really heavy things they're going through of like trying to forgive someone mm. or, you know, that has harmed them or hurt them or they just lost someone close to them and they're wrestling with those kind of things. So, you know, we take prayer requests on Mondays. So that a lot of that comes up then, but we take questions of faith at any time. So, and then it's just guests in the Catholic community or just the faith community in general that we find interesting. We had sister Jean of Loyola, Chicago. Oh, right. Yeah, we had her on. When they had their tournament run. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so sometimes it's, you know, it's like that. So it's father Dave and then his co-host, his name is Brett, and he's like just a comedian friend who has a really big heart and just kind of is that great bridge between like a priest and lay people, so to speak, just normal people. Then I'm the producer and I'm a Catholic mom and in the media and we have a great time. We have a great time every night. It's like hanging out with I like my like friends or my I have a brother, but like, you know, my like family brothers. It's like we're this great little team and we just happen to broadcast on Sirius XM. It's very funny that we do the show on Zoom. So it's like we feel like we're just kind of having a Zoom call that's being recorded on the. So you can all see each other as you're talking to each other. The reason for Zoom. Exactly. Got it. Okay. And, you know, a lot of Dave's classmates for his Hall of Fame induction talked about, you know, what an engaging, great guy he was on and off the air in Syracuse and obviously in all his time since. I've got to imagine that was part of the appeal that drew you to the show before you even interned there, that you said you liked the show. And I got to imagine it's some of Dave's charisma, but then also it sounds like your faith has been a big part of your life forever, huh? Definitely. So I sing and I play the piano. So I've been involved like, in church choirs for pretty much my whole life. And I worked on an event that's in Cleveland. It's like a big Catholic family festival that brings in like, I don't know, tens of thousands of people. It's a whole thing every year. And basically it's like a team of seminarians. So people that are studying to be priests and like just a couple priests and random people. And so I was in college and working on this group of people to create this festival event in a field out of nothing, which is a really great experience for just learning how to problem solve and you know, work in life at a young age. 
And one of the seminarians was listening to the Catholic channel. And I was like, okay, well, that's, I don't know if this is like, if I'm at that level of like, Catholic, but okay, we're going to listen to this. And there are two shows that we were listening to. And one of them was the Busted Halo show with Father Dave. And it's not what you're expecting. It's not dry. It's not boring. He's extremely relatable just as a person. And he just happens to be a priest and has these wonderful, beautiful insights into life and faith and those connections. But he also worked, you know, at MTV and Comedy Central. And he knows some more about tech stuff than I do, like of the technological. And he's so good with all of the remote aspects of what we do and troubleshooting. Really? He's so good at it. He's so connected with what people are talking about in culture and in life. And he's not disconnected. And he's such a great you know, voice of both like inspiration, consolation. It's what drew me to the show to begin with. And now working for him, it's just so fun. He's just a wonderful person to work with. Yeah, it's amazing you've come full circle from being a fan of the show to an intern to now producer of the show. And I'll link to uh, Dave's episode as well in the show notes for anybody who hasn't heard it, which is one of our most popular downloaded episodes, thanks to you and Father Dave promoting it on social media and on the show. So thank you for that. I think that is a great place to leave it. Chris Lepard from the class of 2012. And tell us when they can listen to you on the Busted Halo Show. Busted Halo Show is live every weeknight. Monday through Thursday, we do from 6 to 8 p.m. And then on Fridays, we do like a flashback episode because the show's been on for 16 years, which is crazy that he's been at this for so long. So basically, we air like the best questions, his best homilies, the best guests we've had. So that's on Fridays at 6. So 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 129. I'm not normally talking this much. Normally, it's just it's Brother Dave and Brett, and I chime in from time to time. I'm the Roz. And I'm sure they are thrilled every time that you do. <laughs> and he spoke so highly of you in his episode as well. So thank you for spending some time with us today, Chris, to look forward to hopefully seeing you next March. Yes, definitely. Thanks, Jack. The WJPZ at 50 podcast is created entirely by the staff and alumni of the world's greatest media classroom. It's hosted by John Jag Gay, class of 2002. Editing help from James Bames Grundy III, class of 2020. Imaging by Maureen Cooper, class of 1999. And Ed Lacombe, class of 1985. Podcast artwork by Marty Dundix, class of 2001. Follow WJPZ at 50 on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you're listening right now.